the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Advocate with your host, Nick Phillips. And now, here's your host, Nick Phillips. Good evening, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another edition of The Advocate. Thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, In the first two segments tonight, we're going to be talking to State Representative Dave Greenspan, who's going to update us, as always, on the uh, things that are going on in Columbus. Dave, thank you again for joining us. I appreciate being on, as always, and we're, we're we're suffering through these these hot summer days right now, but uh, but we'll be fine because in, in about sixty days we'll be talking about leaves changing and and uh, and, and the dreaded S word of snow. I know, or worse yet, think about February when those cold yeah. icy winds come off the lake and all of that. So anyway, I yes, I enjoy it. So, uh, but anyway, talk about enjoying things. Uh, how's Columbus doing? And I know it's summertime, but you guys never stop. What's uh, what's going on? No, we we, um, we we typically will recess around June 30th, get the operating budget, the, the Bureau of Workers' Compensation budget, and the Industrial Commission budgets done. Um, we we obviously it was reported in the paper um, needed a few more a few more weeks, about 17 days to get it done. We did finish that this week, uh, so the budgets are passed, um, and we uh, now are operating in the current fiscal year with with a new. A nearly seventy billion per year uh, dollar budget, uh, operating budget. The beer workers comp budget is passed, and the industrial commission budget we passed a few weeks ago. Um, there, there are there are five budgets. A lot of folks don't recognize that there are five budgets that the legislature operates under, and in the first year of a general assembly, are responsible for approving. The governor's submission, legislature approves, and um, the, those three that I just mentioned, we did the transportation budget back in in February March. And then the fifth budget is the operating is the I'm sorry the capital budget, which we will start. Um, first of all, it's it's more optional than than required as the other four, but um, I believe we will have an operating budget this year, and we'll start um, having those submissions due typically by the end of this year, and uh, start the awarding process I believe February and March of next year. So we're we're moving through we're through the operating budget um, process as I said it's a seventy billion dollar with a B per year budget. Uh, this budget was actually um, interesting in in the fact that that the economy in Ohio is extremely strong, and uh, with a strong economy means that we've had had a record record revenue, and with the record revenue and controlling expenses provides us with an opportunity to um, do a couple things, and which is what we did in this budget. Um, number one, we, we evaluated and assessed our tax structure, uh, income tax structure here in Ohio to determine, um, is it appropriate now to reduce some, some income tax rates? And, uh, and if so, would those reductions today stand up if and when, and we know there will, will be dips in the economy, that will, will these uh, reductions today be sustainable in a longer term uh, environment, we believe they are, and so what we've done in this budget, from a tax perspective, is everyone in Ohio across the board will receive a four percent reduction in income tax in Ohio, 
and we have eliminated the lower two tax brackets. So fundamentally, anyone who makes less than $21,750 in Ohio, um, or all those in Ohio who make um, income less than that, which we all do as part of our stack, um, will not pay any income tax on the first basically $22,000 worth of uh, income. So we feel that that's important. The tax cuts in Ohio in the aggregate with all the tax cuts will save about $630 million over the two-year period to those who pay taxes in Ohio. Um, And obviously that does mean that the state will be receiving less income uh, to operate. However, the income that we're receiving is strong enough that we believe with that nearly uh, over half a billion dollar biennium reduction in income that not only will we be able to continue to operate the state effectively, but we will be able to invest uh, in our in, in the issues that are important to us. Um, one of the, our, our budget itself on the operating side is a fundamentally um, consumed largely, I would say almost 90% by three areas, education, uh, Medicaid, and incarceration. Uh, unfortunately, incarceration is a big component of our, of our total spend and we're working on on sentencing reform to reduce our prison population. But as far as school funding is concerned, we are actually increasing school funding uh, by just over 4% in the first year of the budget and then an additional 2% on top of that four in the second year. And so what we're looking at there is a significant increase in, in school funding, which obviously is very important. We all talk about the value of education. Uh, one of the things that we looked at on the on the uh, human health and human service side is foster care um, and and we do know that we've had a lot of issues with uh, especially around the opioid issue with fostering kinship care more of our young residents are needing uh, the assistance of foster care and kinship care so we've made significant investments in both foster care and kinship care uh, in the state uh, through this budget um, I'm looking here at, at a report that I have and we talk about a number of issues that we've done uh, in education. Uh, one is interesting, and it's more of a policy issue than it is a, a, a financial issue, but we do know that technology and, um, and and information technology in particular are growing, uh, is a growing part of our economic makeup, not only in Ohio, but, but, but throughout the country. And one of the things that we've talked about, we know that, that Bernie Marino here is talking about blockchain and uh, getting involved in that type of activity and recognizing that that technology is a big issue. We have allowed for the substitution of computer coding as as a foreign language class uh, in our high schools. So if those students wish to engage in, in computers and computer coding, they're able to substitute that out as a foreign language class. Uh, as far as higher education is concerned, um, we did increase funding for higher education. We also put a freeze in the um, tuition that in, in universities can charge for a student. So if you're an incoming freshman at Ohio State or Kent State or, or any of our four-year institutions, you know that your fees, that your tuition is frozen from when you're a freshman to when you're a senior. So you don't have to worry about fee increases. We yeah. provided funding in the budget to be able to support that activity. Is that applicable uh, only this year, or will that uh, be a, a sort of a permanent uh, rule? Well, well the, the intent is obviously for it to be permanent, but we cannot go beyond the two-year scope when, when we talk about funding or anything related to appropriations. So right now it's 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 in the current budget. We hope that it, it mm-hmm. not only 
remains not only is it aspirational longer term, but but we hope that it does it does stay uh, stay as as a permanent um, part of the education policy in Ohio. Well, uh, one yes, of the other main issues. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Okay, I, one I, of the other main main issues we talked about, obviously, you know, prescriptions and the cost, high cost of prescriptions, and it's being noted at at the federal level. But here in Ohio, Representative Scott Lips out of out of uh, Warren County has been leading this this PBM movement here in Ohio, and in the budget we have streamlined the process for PBMs, which are pharmacy benefit managers, where there'll be will be one in the state of Ohio, which will aggregate the buying power of of prescription drugs here in Ohio. Right now it's bifurcated between half a dozen PBMs and uh, they wind up competing against one another and in a free market you would think that would drive down costs but actually it's had somewhat of the inverse effect. So by having one um, pharmacy benefit manager that purchases for all of Ohio we believe we'll be able to drive down the price of, of pharmaceutical costs which will help all of Ohioans especially those on fixed income and those who are, who are on Medicaid. So these are some. I'm, I'm just flipping the page here. These are some of the some of the components that we worked on uh, in in the budget. Um, a couple of the issues that I put forward that that um, that were not in the House version, but were added in the Senate. I'm glad that they were, and I advocated hard for that to happen. Obviously, here in, in Northeast Ohio, the movie film tax credit is is a big important issue. Uh, a few years ago, we gave Cleveland State a significant amount of resources in the capital budget to start their film program, which they did. And this year, uh, last year was the first year of the program. They had over 200 students uh, enrolled in the program, and we hope to see that continue to grow. Uh, we did um, appropriate a tax credit of $40 million per year uh, to continue the film tax credit opportunity here in Ohio so we continue to attract not only movies into the state uh, and motion pictures, but also theatrical productions as well. Um, well, where, so where is we, the we, uh, where is the film tax credit now? Is it uh, passed both houses? It, it's in the budget. It is it is signed into law. So that so the film tax credit is back. Okay, so very good. I know there was debate yep. about that as to whether it's going to go up or eliminated. Uh, so it, it's staying the same. How how long will that credit be in for? How many years? It's a two year credit. So so it's forty million a year. All we can do is two years with what's in the in the framework of the budget. So right. it's back in. It was forty million before, um, and and actually myself and, and Representative Patton were advocating to increase it to a hundred million dollars uh, per year. Um, Georgia, as an example, was now the largest had the largest amount of movies and theatrical productions of any state in the nation. They have an unlimited tax credit. Now, I'm not advocating for that. But they have an unlimited tax credit, so we realize we have to be competitive Why, if sure. we want to attract these movies. And, they're, they're and if still you remember the movie, mm-hmm. if you remember the movie a few years ago, To Kill an Irishman, you know about Danny Green and and, and about Cleveland's you know history back in the seventies. That movie was a hundred percent about Cleveland. It was filmed in Michigan. It was filmed in Detroit because we didn't have a film tax credit, and they did. So we can't have that no, no, continue we, to happen. We, we so can't do that. We're talking to State Representative Dave Greenspan. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back after these words. Don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK. Be happy to
children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. You've earned the opportunity to enjoy a leisurely lunch as you sail down a European river enjoying spectacular views and the finest cuisine Portugal has to offer. Even better, you'll move on to Spain and experience the rich heritage of this country. Explore the early influences of ancient Rome. And since this is a culinary tour, see if their food can surpass the bar that the Portuguese have set for you. And yet, your adventure has not ended, as you will travel to the land of poets, the Emerald Isle. You will see why Johnny Cash sang about Ireland's 40 Shades of Green. More than a tour, an experience worthy of any bucket list. Check out your itinerary on Facebook, Culinary Tour with Jerry Quinn, or go to ChristianExpedition.com. A five-star experience at a three-star price. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. We're uh, talking to State Representative Dave Greenspan concerning what's going on in uh, Columbus, Ohio at the state legislature. Again, David, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity, as always. You know, the last segment we talked about an awful lot. Uh, Just just a couple of questions. 
Uh, you mentioned that the revenue is going up, and uh, I'm wondering, since July 1st, we started the gas tax. How is that playing out so far in its uh, first half month? Well, we, we don't know to that question um, simply because we haven't had a full month of, of collections. So we'll know here at the end of July, and uh, and our local partners will start to see uh, in August with their distribution of, of uh, gasoline tax revenue um you know those numbers remember the, the gasoline tax itself is based on on gallons sold not the retail price so it's it's effectively a fixed rate um based on gallons sold we haven't seen in ohio as we talked about in the past a significant increase in the number of gallons sold in the last 15 years so we would imagine that the projections would be just as we thought meaning that they're not based on increased gallons sold but on on a, a, a reliable, predictable, um, steady flow of gasoline sales. Mm-hmm. So we'll see here in a month or so what those numbers look like. Oh, we'll see if uh, the gas tax alone has resulted in the uh, dropping off of the total gallons sold, but it would seem summertime vacations, a lot of driving is still going on. Uh, have you heard any pushback or any problems uh, or complaints from the uh, citizens about the gas tax? No, the, not on the gasoline tax. I, I believe our residents recognize that that our roads, you know, and bridges need attention, and need, and and this is a way to do it. Uh, it's not something, obviously, that that you know we look forward to doing. Insofar as paying more at the pump, but I believe there'll be a direct positive impact uh, to number one, the quality of life of our residents, to the uh, ability for commerce to move more freely through our state because our infrastructure will be stronger. And from a public safety perspective, obviously, in some of our communities, our roads are are in such horrible shape that that first responders are taking uh, extra time or having to detour certain routes in order to get to an incident. We obviously want to ensure the highest quality of public safety to our residents. Uh, one, one area is a pushback, and it's an interesting interesting discussion, has to do with we, we did provide um, whereby those who have electric vehicles and hybrids shall pay, uh, if you have a hybrid vehicle, $100 a year, and if you have an electric vehicle, $200 a year, because you're, you're effectively, if you're an electric vehicle, not paying any gasoline tax at all, but you're still using the roads. And there's been some confusion as to uh, residents, and, and once I've talked to them, they completely understand. They say, well, look, if I drive 13,500 miles a year, which is somewhat the standard number, and on an electric vehicle, I get 25 miles per gallon, that's 540 gallons a year. You've increased my gasoline tax by 10.5%. That's only $56, but I'm paying 200 Well, the thing to keep in mind is it's not the 10, 10 cents per gallon. You're currently not paying any gasoline tax at all. So when you add the existing gasoline tax that you're currently not paying, that rate plus the 10%, right, to, to get to what the total consumer is paying at the pump is paying, it equates to about $207 a year. So we rounded down to $200. So the same 13,500 miles that are being driven at 25 miles per gallon, if you have an electric vehicle, you're paying roughly the same amount of money that um, that a gasoline-powered vehicle, 100% gasoline-powered vehicle would pay. In addition to that, the benefit is you're also, you're still not paying the federal gasoline tax, which the, which the regular person at the pump, you know, who has a gasoline-powered vehicle is paying. So you're still paying less in tax by having an electric vehicle than a gasoline-powered vehicle for the same miles driven. And the same model holds true to hybrids as well. Once again, the formula is not based on 10.5 cents, but the formula is based on the full gasoline tax rate, which is 38.5 cents, and and that comes out to, once again, using a similar formula, 
comes out to just over a hundred dollars, which is what the what the the, the uh, that that fee that you're paying to go to register your vehicle shall cover. And once again, the same rules apply. You're not paying federal gasoline tax either. So um, so there's still an advantage to having an electric or a hybrid vehicle when it comes to comes to the tax rate. I was advocating for a position that if you were a senior in Ohio that you paid half of, the, of, of that fee. Unfortunately, I was unsuccessful in getting that done, but I will continue to advocate for that. Um, I also will say as a byproduct of the transportation budget, there was a study committee that was that was commissioned, which would which is um, our road to Ohio roads to our future committee study committee, which um, I will co-chair with Senator McCauley in the Senate. It's a five it's a ten person committee, uh, five from each chamber, and Senator McCauley and I will start chairing that event uh, that committee in September. And our objective there is to look at all modes of transportation to ensure that that we're operating, that those agencies that are performing those duties, whether it's the Turnpike Commission or, or Ohio Department of Transportation or our, our local transit authorities, that the tax dollars they're receiving are being used effectively, both from, both from an operational perspective and a, and a materials perspective. And we plan on taking that, that charge seriously. We have 18 months to prepare a report. And uh, with our committee members, and of the 10, uh, six of them are from Northeast Ohio. So we've got a strong contingency of Northeast Ohio members that will serve on that committee. And uh, looking forward to working with my Senate and House colleagues uh, on that. And one of the other issues that's a a result of that committee is, if you remember, we we voted to remove the front license plate um, from vehicles. But the the caveat to that Mm -hmm. was is this study committee was going to look at alternative uh, front vehicle identification uh, methods. And so that's why the the that our committee will be focused on as well the um as we're talking about electric cars i was wondering with the electric and hybrid do we have a number of how many cars like that are here in ohio percentage if not you know that number is growing and and it's growing rapidly but i don't recall the number from 17 to 18 but i do remember the statistic that it tripled from one year to the next from 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 17 to 18 the number of electric and hybrid vehicles in ohio did triple um, but it did start from a low number, but it does show a trend that Ohioans are concerned, as we all should be, about electric and, and hybrid vehicles and, and them becoming more mainstream. And, and this, this, this fee that was assessed was not mean, was not meant to discourage that activity, uh, at all. What it was meant to do was, was to ensure that those who are using those vehicles, um, are, are providing the necessary resources to ensure that our, bridges and roads are are maintained and managed effectively. You mentioned a couple of areas where uh, the state is looking into it to uh, find some savings, and you mentioned incarceration and foster care. First off, with foster care, what what kind of problem is there with foster care? Is it being funded? I know children have to have foster care. What we've done is we've increased the funding for foster care, recognizing the fact that this opioid issue is putting tremendous strains on our on our counties as it relates to foster care because a lot of these 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 children of, of those folks who, who have addiction issues are being removed from their custody and need to go somewhere. And so the, the what we're trying to do is is change the, the paradigm shift that they immediately go into foster care to have them remain with family members in kinship care. 
So what's happening is you have a lot of grandparents out there that are that are taking custody of their grandchildren, um, but because, and up until recently, they were unable to be, be compensated as a foster care parent would. And so we changed the law to allow family members to 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 um, to take care of their their you know young younger family members and to be compensated for that as if they were a foster care environment a foster care family that's where the term kinship care comes from so we have provided additional funding for kinship care and uh, also for foster care as well um, so on the incarceration front we do recognize that we have over 50,000 people in the jails in Ohio um, it is it is costly to to incarcerate individuals in the state of Ohio. We've looked at some sentencing reform in and in Ohio now if you are convicted of a of a nonviolent, non drug offense related felony four or felony five, you are not going to go to state prison. Um, now let me caveat that by saying if that's your only offense you're not going. Now if you've an F three or an F two and an F four you're still going to go to prison for your higher you offense crimes. But, but, these, but techniques, higher, higher. these techniques will ultimately reduce the uh, people going to prison, I would assume. It will. It will. And, and we, you know, what we want, we, you know, there, there's an interesting discussion about keeping people in their local communities, although sometimes those local communities and those, those environments are the environments that cause them to, to offend to begin with. So we need to look greater at, at wraparound services to ensure that those folks who are incarcerated have a pathway um, to, to not reoffend. And uh, by the way, one of the things I, I failed to mention, I should have, in the operating budget, and we talk, I mentioned wraparound services. Only have a as couple, it relates to less than a minute. Yeah, oh no, very quickly. As it relates to, to education, recognizing the fact that education not only happens with inside the classroom, but that what happens outside the classroom impacts academic achievement. In this budget, we have put nearly $600 million for wraparound services to help those students in low-income low environments, uh, primarily in our urban areas, but also in, in suburban and rural Ohio, to have the necessary services to hopefully change the, the their academic achievement by focusing on whether it's mental health and addiction services or well, whether well, it's good. other types of food security issues to help students achieve higher results in school. Well, excellent. We're going to have to get more into that next time. But Dave Greenspan, thank you for joining us this month. Well, thank you. I appreciate it as always. Hey, always. Well, have a great, uh, great next month, and we'll see you back in August. Uh, we're going to take a short Great, break. You're you. listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK, The Advocate. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an 
experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select Insurance for your insurance needs. You've earned the opportunity to enjoy a leisurely lunch as you sail down a European river enjoying spectacular views and the finest cuisine Portugal has to offer. Even better, you'll move on to Spain and experience the rich heritage of this country. Explore the early influences of ancient Rome. And, since this is a culinary tour, see if their food can surpass the bar that the Portuguese have set for you. And yet, your adventure has not ended as you will travel to the land of poets, the Emerald Isle. You will see why Johnny Cash sang about Ireland's 40 Shades of Green. More than a tour, an experience worthy of any bucket list. Check out your itinerary on Facebook, Culinary Tour with Jerry Quinn, or go to ChristianExpedition.com. A five-star experience at a three-star price. You didn't plan it this way. You spent your entire life being careful, protecting your body and staying healthy when the carelessness of another changes your life forever. You need to know what's expected of you to prove your claim. You further have been changed forever. Know it's up to you to make your case. The lawyers at Phillips and Millie together have over 80 years of experience. If you have a case or think you may, call the law firm of Phillips and Millie at 440-243-2800. Children, the product of a married couple who were once in love. Unfortunately, sometimes the marriage does not work and parents must get divorced. This is traumatic for the children as well as for the adults. The law firm of Phillips and Millie offers advice and representation in family law matters. Remember, your children are entitled to the utmost consideration when mom and dad have to part. Phillips and Millie, your local law firm on the west side of Middleburg Heights. Telephone 440-243-2800. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Welcome back, Cleveland. Nick Phillips with you with another segment of The Advocate. Uh, In the next two segments, we're going to be talking about something that uh, we talk about often, and that is of all the diseases in the world that can affect humans, uh, the disease that uh, sounds like the word cancer is probably the most terrifying for anyone to uh, have applied to them or any of their family members. So we're always interested in talking about what's going on with cancer and cancer research and cancer treatments and cures. With us tonight, we have an expert in the field, Dr. Joshua Mansour. Uh, Dr. Mansour, thank you for uh, calling in tonight. My pleasure. And uh, where are you located and calling? I'm Stanford, California currently. And um, you're a, a physician, and you and I have talked uh, a couple times before, 
and uh, yeah. the, your your background is in uh, oncology and uh, bone marrow transplants and uh, sort of blood related cancers. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, just like you indicated, my I'm a hematology oncology doctor, so blood as well as cancer. And my specific uh, area of expertise is more on the blood cancer, so those of leukemia, lymphoma, multiple myeloma. In addition to that, I focus more specifically on bone marrow transplantation and cellular immunotherapy. So bone marrow transplantation is a treatment that we use uh, in order to get a patient into a deep remission after treatment for those diseases that we just described. And cellular immunotherapy is one of the newer branches of cancer therapy that includes targeted therapy uh, to help um, to help now patients get another type of treatment. You know, when we, we talk about uh, treatments in cancers, there seem to be a lot of different kinds of cancers. Uh, generally speaking, how many hundreds or thousands of types of cancers uh, can afflict humans? Sure. Well, the way that I would actually describe it is um, each type of cancer that affects a patient is going to be unique and different in its own way. So uh, there are, just like you explained, hundreds could approach the thousands of different types uh, of, ge- of general, so hundreds of different types of general cancers, but each one that affects a patient uh, can have specific different uh, genetic and molecular disturbances that might be different as well as how a patient's going to respond to to treatment can also be different. So I would say that each one is going to be unique to that person. With uh, blood-related cancers, uh, and of course, you know, we have all other types. We have breast cancer, bone cancer, uh, pancreatic cancer. For the blood-borne type or the blood-related cancers, what are some of the symptoms that someone might uh, might have to be aware of and should recognize? Sure. So the symptoms are actually pretty general. Uh, so my the, the thing that I always tell people is if you're experiencing these general symptoms that I'll describe in a second for a very uh, for a, a prolonged period of time, it's always best to go into a physician's office or into the ER, even just an urgent care center, and get some blood work done. Uh, so for many of those types of cancers, you can start off just with something simple such as uh, fevers, uh, chills, um, bleeding because your platelets are very low and platelets help with clotting. You can have uh, prolonged fatigue is another thing as well. So uh, they're, they're somewhat general types of symptoms. Then, of course, you can have infections, so cough, shortness of breath a lot of that because your immune system is down. So I think if, if you have several of those general symptoms for a prolonged period of time, it's always best to not just brush these things off, but to go in and to, to have some blood work done. When you have some blood work and you just have general symptoms, let's say you had uh, fatigue for a prolonged period of time, uh, mm-hmm. of course blood tests, uh, when they're ordered, can uh, you know do lipid panels, they can do hemoglobin, they can do a lot of things that are ordered. Uh, what what should your doctor be ordering for you in in a way to screen for a possibility of some type of blood related cancer? So a big thing would be a CBC. 
So uh, complete blood counts, which will include your hemoglobin, your hematocrit, and that's going to tell us if you're anemic. Uh, your platelet count, uh, which will tell us how those um, how how your platelets are doing. That that help with clotting. Your white blood cell count uh, that'll indicate if they're high or low, which can be a uh, depending on which end of the spectrum can also be a a factor that's involved. And then many times what we'll do is we'll do a differential to to break down the specific white blood cell to see which ones are possibly high or low. And then if there are signs for that that point towards uh, further testing, we'll do something such as a bone marrow biopsy or uh, or certain scans to further help us uh, figure out what else is going on. You know, and when we talk about bone marrow, we, we think of the production of, of blood-related cells, and uh, I, we think of leukemia being related to that, I think. Uh, how is, what is leukemia? What's the, the current definition of leukemia? So, right, leukemia uh, is a blood-borne cancer that, is, uh, in the, that starts off in the bone marrow. So the best way that I try uh, to explain that is the bone marrow is a factory the bone marrow is a factory that is um, that produces all of these types of cells. Uh, your white blood cells, uh, red blood cells, platelets, it's this factory. So when this blood-forming tissue, so the bone marrow, the lymphatic system, when there's some uh, disturbances that occur, that's when we get uh, blood-borne cancers such as leukemia. And uh, you mentioned uh, a term that's not heard very often, multiple. Uh, what, what is that, and how is that related to the blood or the bone marrow? If at all? Sure, multiple myeloma is a different type. Um, multiple myeloma actually involves a certain specific type of cells known as uh, the plasma cells. These plasma cells are a type of the white blood cell that we were, uh, that we were talking about earlier. So the role of the plasma cells in their bodies to help fight infections uh, and to make antibodies. So one of those things also that I was explaining is that if you um, the patient continues to get sick and it's not resolving, uh, sometimes people will just brush those off as you know prolonged common cold. But I think in that case, it's very important to go through and uh, to make sure to follow up with the physician. Uh, now, as I mentioned uh, early on, as we were talking about what types of symptoms should we pay attention to, uh, like uh, infections and diseases, uh, many times the earlier you can identify a disease and the earlier you can start uh, treatments, uh, the more likely you can be successful. Does that apply in leukemia and multiple myeloma? Yeah, I think it does, absolutely. I think that in certain cases sometimes will battle with very aggressive subtypes of it, but in general, that's a very good way uh, to think about it is as early and as soon as we can diagnose the disease as well as treat the patient, the usually the more successful that we are. Uh, because I know people, uh, generally people who are otherwise in good health uh, are not going to be, uh, they, they don't like to run to the doctor all the time and uh, ask for things. Uh, they they wait to see some clear signs, symptoms, uh, symptoms such as being generally fatigued, and uh, those kinds of things are generally not enough to get you to the doctor. I don't think. Uh, how can we focus in and zero in on this uh, requirement? 
So I think that no matter what, <laughs> that um, that the general population should see someone, whether it's uh, any form of healthcare provider, at, at least once a year, and that that blood work should be done at that time. Uh, many times there can be small nuances or abnormalities in the blood work that um, can then lead to a closer follow-up and closer monitoring of certain blood panels. So (laughs) following up with a healthcare provider or a physician at least once a year is definitely my biggest advice. Are are these cancers fast-moving or can you afford to wait a year? Depending on the type, uh, depending on the subtype of it, they can be uh, very fast-moving and very aggressive all the way to the other spectrum of very slow-moving over 10 to 15 years, not really requiring treatment. So it, it really depends on if you're in the acute phase or the more usually more aggressive phase or if you're in one of the more chronic phases. So the CBC is the, uh, the test to get uh, and ask your doctor about that. Absolutely. I, I would think. We're talking about cancer, especially blood-related cancers. We're talking to Dr. Joshua Mansour from Stanford in California. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back with Dr. Mansour and talk about cancer some more. So don't go away. You're listening to Nick Phillips here on WHK. More than just a dentist, Dr. Carl Hedgie provides dental treatments for occlusions, TMJ problems, and for aesthetic rehabilitation. In dental practice for over 30 years, Dr. Hedgie has provided state-of-the-art dental treatment for all of his patients. Dr. Carl Hedgie is skilled at treating and resolving complicated dental problems. Located across from the North Royalton High School, call Dr. Hedgie's office for an appointment or visit his website at drhedgie.com. That's Dr. Carl Hedgie, H-E-G-Y-I at 440-237-3338 for the very best in dental care. Hi, I'm Pat Lamb. Select Insurance Services is a family-run business and your personal shopper for auto, home, and business insurance. Plus, I'm Dave Ramsey's endorsed local provider. I think you'll agree, insurance is confusing, but at the same time, it's very important to your financial security. We believe insurance should be secured through a professional. Why? Because one wrong click in the do-it-yourself plan could cost you everything. Our approach stands out because we ask the right questions, listen to your personal situation, and share our knowledge to close potential coverage gaps. This is an experience a do-it-yourself plan can't provide. Did you know there could be a coverage gap when you drive someone else's car? So call us today, 440-237-8555, or check us out at selectinsservice.com. 440-237-8555, or selectinsservice.com. Hi, this is Nick Phillips, host of The Advocate. Pat Lamb and Select Insurance have been my insurance agents for years. Wonderful to work with and never a hassle. Call Pat Lamb at Select insurance for your insurance needs. On the battlefield, there's a saying America's military men and women live by. Never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Off the battlefield, Wounded Warrior Project operates with the same goal. Wounded Warrior Project was created to help our men and women returning home with the scars of war, whether those scars are physical or mental. Wounded Warrior Project. We never leave a fallen warrior behind, ever. Learn more about what we do at WoundedWarriorProject.org. Welcome back to Cleveland, 
folks, with you with our final segment of The Advocate for tonight. Uh, we're talking about cancer, especially blood-related cancer, uh, leukemias and multiple myelomas, and we're talking to Stanford doctor Joshua Mansour, an expert in cancer treatments and uh, new things. So, Dr. Mansour, thank you for joining us. Absolutely, my pleasure. You know, I just mentioned that last little thing, uh, new developments. Are there new developments in treatments for leukemia and multiple myeloma? Yeah, so one of the big things that's been coming out is, uh, if you've heard in the news, has been CAR T-cell therapy. Uh, so the CAR part of it, just to break it down, stands for chimeric antigen receptor um, and this is basically what we do is we take the T-cells uh, from a patient. We then send them to a factory to re-engineer them to a specific uh, target on the cancer cell so that when we then put them back in the body, they can go in and attack kind of like a lock and key method into uh, the body and attack those cancer cells. Well, first off, what is a T-cell? Uh, so T cells is a specific type of uh, white blood cell um, uh, in the body, and and this is also produced in the bone marrow. Yes, exactly. So um, uh, those are uh, so producing the and then they go and they mature in the thymus. Now, with uh, this kind of treatment, I assume it's um, is it now normally accepted, and will insurance pay for this kind of treatment? Uh, not always. So it always it depends on uh, the disease type, and a lot of it is actually still uh, undergoing clinical trials. And with uh, regard to being involved in this particular type of uh, therapy, how successful is it nowadays? Uh, is it is it promising? Have uh, survival rates improved because of it? So survival rates have uh, have improved, and uh, most recently. The information that we have from the uh, most recent trials show that they have um, they've been in remission for about 18 to, to 24 months uh, thus far, uh, many of the patients. The thing that's difficult to tell, though, is that this is still a new type of therapy, and we're still learning a lot of it, uh, a lot about it. And still, uh, in addition, is that we need time to uh, to learn more about that data. So, just being that it's only, although this this type of, um, of engineering has been known about for a while. It's really only been about, it's only really been in clinical trials for the last few years. What, what are the mortality rates generally for leukemia and multiple myeloma? Uh, that depends. That's a, that's a question I can't answer just off that, the bat. That depends on, that's a, a very broad question with a lot of different subtypes. Mm -hmm. with, and also, uh, th that also depends on the patient, what type of treatment they can tolerate. So uh, this, is, this is a question that's more, that's more individualized towards each patient. With, uh, with the future of new uh, programs, especially like what you're explaining now, I think you said CAR T-cell treatments, uh, if someone cannot uh, get their insurance company to go uh, and, and authorize and pay for this kind of treatment, what are their options? So the way that I also explain treatments and therapy with cancer is, so we have many guidelines and things that, that as physicians we've seen that have been successful and that are proven. So 
we like to go in that general method or that algorithm to help the patient. Then after that, if there are certain diseases or subtypes that, that don't respond, we go towards the clinical trial route. Um, so a, a lot of the times, uh, approaching it in that manner is the best thing. It's not, it's not going out and saying, you know what, let's try this therapy. We'll ensure it won't cover it. Let's do something else. Um, so usually if we follow that type of algorithm, we get into a specific clinical trial or a treatment because a patient has failed, uh, several other types of clinical treatment. It's usually not the biggest barrier. With uh, a term you mentioned earlier about remissions and, and that uh, treatment, successful treatments will result in remissions. And when you have a remission, you, you mentioned something about uh, bone marrow transplants and deep remission, using the term deep. I, I caught that. Uh, what, what is the difference between remission and deep remission? Sure. So what I mean by deep remission usually is a long period of time uh, that a patient's in remission. So sometimes patients can go into remission for a little bit and then the cancer comes back. I just use the term deep remission to, uh, to essentially, uh, I know a lot of people use the word cure. I tend to use the word deep remission as a, a prolonged period of time without any of the cancer. We used to hear a lot of times if you're cancer free or in remission for five years or more that you you beat the cancer or you're considered cancer free. Does that apply a lot, or is, is that? Yeah, I actually, I actually do think, from my experience, I would say that that five year mark that's a that's usually a good term, uh, good uh, way of saying it is 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 pretty much at the time where you're a lot less likely. Now, can things happen? Uh, can something come back at, at any time? Absolutely, but that's usually about the time that that I think a patient has a lot less of a chance of having to deal with that cancer in the future. Well, when people a cancer such as the ones you're talking about and they have a remission and then uh, it, they have a reoccurrence and then another remission, do these remissions generally, uh, can they be sustained for a long time or do they tend to uh, become more frequent and uh, does that in- indicate that there's a trend that the cancer is is gaining momentum I guess yeah it could be it just, I think it many times depends on the situation it many depend many times depends on how many treatments the patient has seen beforehand uh, how aggressive it's come back is it the same subtype or has it morphed into a different one I think those are those are all those are all things that need to be taken into consideration. What is there a next generation of uh, new theories for, for this kind of cancer um, understanding and treatment and uh, basically prevention or cure? Yeah, I, I think right now there's, uh, there's, we've made a lot of headway recently uh, in cancer therapy. I think one of the big things is, is cancer testing as well and knowing more about all these subtypes and then once we have that information seeing how we can use that in terms of the treatment side so translation therapy in terms of going from the lab and learning about it to the actual um, to treatment uh, to offer for patients right now I think what is new and up and coming uh, that's been somewhat around for years is that of targeted therapy and immune therapy so targeting the specific cancer cells or also using the immune system 
uh, through these targets to go and to attack the cancer cells uh, in general. And with that, we're starting to see less side effects. It has its own side effects, but but less side effects, uh, less toxicity, and uh, hopefully, uh, again, just targeting those specific cancer cells instead of just the general body. Now, when someone is diagnosed with, uh, say, leukemia or multiple myeloma, uh, how confident can they be then uh, to, one, seek treatment, get out there and seek it, and look forward to hopefully uh, having a remission? Is this something uh, that that is uh, over 50% probable, or is that hard to say? Yeah, it is tough to say, again, depending on the type or the subtype of the cancer, whether it's leukemia, lymphoma, mm-hmm. multiple myeloma, or just your, you know, a, any other type of cancer, lung cancer, pancreatic, and those that you described, solid tumors. Uh, I think, again, it's it, it depends on, you know, when we've found it, how early we can start treatment, how good of shape the, the patient is in to tolerate certain types of treatment, uh, how far has it spread? There's a lot of different factors. My uh, the thing that I always tell patients is um, is we should continue to stay optimistic uh, throughout the treatment course until until there's a reason uh, for that to change. Um, so I, I, my advice to patients is to continue to be optimistic and and to work with at your your practitioners, your healthcare providers, your doctors, uh, the whole the whole oncology team, including the social workers and and everyone else, in order to to do what's best. Wow. Well, on that note, uh, I'd like to thank Dr. Joshua Mansour for uh, for sharing with us uh, what what is going on in cancer treatment today, at least with multiple myeloma and the leukemia type things. Dr. Mansour, thank you for joining us. Absolutely, my pleasure. Thank you, and thank you for listening. We'll be back next Sunday, same time, same station. So between now and then, have a great week. Good night. And I sat and watched the Zanzibar sunset, sat and drank my fresh mint tea, with nothing to do until morning, and only my mind for company. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.